This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. Today, I am thrilled. I'm super excited. I'm joined by the fabulous Aloe Black, a chart-topping, Grammy-nominated recording artist, singer, songwriter, somebody that just really cares about so many things in life, influence from salsa, grown up with the whole world and fusion of soul, folk, R&B, someone whose songs I sing on a loop in my car, let me tell you, and who's been busy in lockdown releasing the album All Love Everything. Allo, I'm so thrilled to meet you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. And I was thinking, I thought, where do I start? I thought I might start with All Love Everything because if there was a song that anybody would love to hear more sung to them, it couldn't be that. The lyrics are just heaven. Like, oh, really? for, okay. I mean, if my husband could sing, I'd really love him to sing that song to me. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, so the term all of everything came from my friend in Germany, a friend of mine who have been doing different artistic and musical endeavors with. And he's a very salt of the earth kind of person with uh, just a good, keen sense of compassion and empathy. He would use this phrase, all love everything, uh, as a salutation. Instead of saying goodbye or peace or, you know, hello, it would be all love everything. And so it really struck me. And I wanted to use it as the title of a song. But when I started writing it, what immediately came to mind was this kind of relationship that I have with my wife, not just the platonic friendship that I have with my friend in Berlin, but my specific, you know, romantic relationship with my wife. This is just great. And I love that he uses that instead of like, hello or goodbye. It's such a great, what a great salutation. And we sort of, and we need that. I mean, I know this sort of came out in in October 2020, Mm -hmm. sort of mid this crazy time that we've been living in, which means that for you, I guess it was a time where you could be at home more and be more creative and I guess use that time to your advantage. But I, I also feel sort of, having read up on you, you really feel like music has a much bigger position in life to to really touch people, to really make a difference in people's lives. Did you find that doing this in lockdown, you felt that even more than before? You know, the album was recorded um, just before lockdown. So all the songs were written just before, but ultimately I feel like the essence and the vibe and the feel of the album, because it is so focused on family and love um, it was perfect for this time. Just it, it literally was the most time that I had spent at home on consecutive days with my family since my kids were born. And, and I realized how much I miss every time I leave. You know, I grew up with my dad going away because he was in the military. So he would do tours in other cities, other countries and other cities across the U.S. Um, but, and I never thought, oh, I'm going to be an absent father. I, I, I'm going to work, but I'll be around. I didn't realize how much, you know, just being away for a week that the kids change and being home during this time, I got to really embrace 
all of these moments. Being a dad, and I guess really for musicians as well, it is a life so much so where you are away or on the road or appearing at a concert or Coachella or something like on tour. And and I'm sure most musicians are the same and that it has been probably the longest period, stretch of time to just be at home and functioning in a sort of normal day-to-day life as opposed to a recording studio or that kind of thing. So that must have been, I guess, the upside of COVID for you was having that family time. Absolutely. I mean, my son learned to ride a bike. Um, my daughter learned to ride skates. We had a lot of days in the in the pool, in the backyard, um, hikes that we've never ventured out to take before, just around the corner from our house. So, you know, these family moments are precious um, and we've built routines that ultimately will last a lifetime because these routines and these ideas, these thoughts will, will continue on. I love it. And I also, I mean, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like in lockdown and in some of the darkest moments, I felt like music some of the creativity that came out, those, I, I still technically don't know how people did it, where they, everybody would be singing together, but everybody's on Zoom. And, and I love that. Oh, it was so amazing. I mean, my kids kept saying to me, I spent the whole time in tears because I read that you went to USC. My son's at USC. And I say at USC, because obviously the last year and a half, he hasn't spent <laughs> right. a single day on campus, but he is at USC. And at Christmas, they sent out this, sort of Christmas message to all the parents. It was so adorable because it was basically, they all popped up, all these kids in their homes, playing their different instruments and singing and doing this thing. I was sobbing. I thought the creativity musically that came out or ballet dancers where you'd have this screen of like hundred ballet dancers dancing. Were you blown away by the fact that people, I don't know, were able to do that? I certainly love it. I I think that, Music and creativity will persist. It will push through like a rose through concrete, right? Because we so need it. It is, you know, they say that, uh, you know, music is one of the first forms of communication. And this is certainly an important part of our cultural and, you know, anthropological experience as human beings. I was part of a couple of online virtual you know, performance events that I did with my band for television shows. Um, one was really amazing. This visual artist named El Seed um, presented a painting. And so in the Zoom uh, mosaic, every person had a different puzzle piece of the painting. And they changed their screen to show that image. And lucky enough, after with 40 people on the screen, he was able to assemble the painting. So there's just beautiful creativity and nothing is going to keep us from wanting to communicate and, and fellowship. No, that's definitely what I felt. And I heard of this adorable thing in, in England. There was this thing called the, um, the couch choir because church services couldn't happen on Sundays. Mm-hmm. People sang from their from their couches and it would just be on zoom but they'd be singing all these hymns and there was just these amazing sort of visions of people all over the place sitting on their sofas at home just joining in with this and i so i i think you're right i think nothing stops that but i wondered whether you know because when you're a performer there's a there's a, a an adrenaline i guess that goes with performing and maybe you're mm. a nervous before i don't know if you get nervous before or you have a kind of ritual that you do or things like that and i wondered whether having been 
not performing in that way. I wondered what your first feeling will be like when you get back out on stage, whether you'll go, oh my God, this is like a thousand times more scary than it ever was before, or whether you'll right. go, now I'm back. This is what I've been missing. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I don't know. I don't know either. I feel like I've been insulated with my band doing virtual concerts and we figured out a communication internally that is completely independent of the audience. And so I wonder if I could use that when I get on stage to just focus on the band and this relationship we developed over the pandemic and lockdown that will help ease that transition back into communicating with an audience. I, I do miss the call and response, the singing, the dancing, and all of that, the energy that comes from an audience. And um, a live, I was going to say the live audience, You and I'm hoping things like, I know you performed at Coachella, mm -hmm. but let's hope that those things come back. I'm thinking those could take on a whole new meaning because they were already outdoors and healthy and sort of in terms of being in fresh air, maybe that, although they were packed in the audiences, but let's hope that all of that comes back. I, I do hope that all of it comes back. You know, I think it may be like riding a bike. It might be just like, Oh, I get this. And it should be it should be normal again for me and for the band as well. Um, we'll see what happens. There's a concert in Vegas coming up for the Electronic uh, Daisy Carnival, I think it's called. And we'll see how that works out. Hopefully it will be the, you know, the example that everybody can follow and it will work. I'm going to tell you a slightly long-winded thing, but I, I owe you for making my son think I'm quite a cool mother. Because when I was growing up, one of my parents' best friends was the songwriter Leslie Brickus. You then adapted his lyrics for Candyman. Yes. Okay. I, I wasn't familiar with the name of the songwriter. I should have been. So, okay. So he wrote the original version, right? So right. my son, Sam, who's massively into music, we're in the car and your song comes on. So, mm -hmm. of course, I start singing along and he goes, how do you know this song? So I go, well, I know Leslie Brookers, who wrote the original. He's like, you know the person. He goes, this is Aloe Black song. I said, no, because I'm vintage. You know, I'm so old. I know the original. <laughs> and he was like, wow, mom, that's actually kind of cool of you to know that. So I have to thank you for that because I was just singing along and he was like, wow, she genuinely knows the lyrics. Because sometimes he's playing me stuff and I go, yeah, I know that song. I'm thinking, I've never heard it. But thanks. you, And I love that song. I mean, how did that come about, that one? So I already was a huge fan of the song, and especially how, as popularized by Sammy Davis Jr., one of my idols and heroes. Actually, the cover of my album from Lift Your Spirit shows me leaping in the air like Sammy Davis Jr. There's a photo my wife found, and she said, that's the photo. We're going to do that. M&M's was celebrating the 75th anniversary, and they wanted a reimagination of... Candyman's uh, song. And so I went in the studio with Zed, the producer, musician extraordinaire, and he played a whole new kind of musical arrangement. I followed the melody, so to speak, and, and rhythm of the song and just changed the lyrics a little bit, but kept the essence and the vibe. Well, he was one of my dad's best friends. So I'd known him my whole life. I kind of grew up with his son and everything. And he loves the song too. Just in That's case fantastic. you didn't know that information, I said to, because I rang him up, I was like, you are so cool. Because he's in his 80s. And he was mm -hmm. like, I know I'm really cool now. I was like, you are beyond, <laughs> this is like 
this is really cool. <laughs> so I had to just tell you that. The other thing is you're singing now with, you, you've got an amazing track with Leanne Rhymes, and she's somebody nice. I, uh, her voice is. Leanne Rhymes is amazing. And she's even, even better than her voice is her character and personality and aura. She's just a genuine human and beautiful, got a beautiful heart. Do you know, I always, you know, when you sort of, you, you hear people and you see people and you, you, you think they're like that, but it's lovely when you get it verified. Cause I've always thought that about her. And I always think that she sings with such, I don't know, just incredible passion. I've, I've always loved her. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of her. So I'm so thrilled that, that actually that's how she was. The other thing that I read about you that I wanted to chat to you about is you had this sort of in your great, you know, career and journey so far, which has spanned so many sort of different things and from where you started and, you know, playing a rented trumpet in the third grade. I read everything about you like that. Mm -hmm. What I loved is that you said, when I signed a major label contract, I recognized the power of having a large audience. I promised myself I would use my voice for social change. Absolutely. My wife and I, along with uh, several friends, have created a company called Artivist Entertainment. So that is the artivist and activist uh, conjunction. And we we have been um, supporting artists who use their voice for positive social change. But beyond that, just me as an individual, using my lyrics, um, using my my profile and, and um, visibility for speaking truth to power, for standing up for folks who, who um, uh, don't have the kind of megaphone that I have. Um, you know, my music video for Wake Me Up, for instance, was an opportunity to speak about immigration. I um, recognized how big the song had gotten with the version that Avicii had released. And I wanted to use that moment to speak to, you know, a personal experience, but also the experience of my friends here in Los Angeles. Uh, my parents are from Panama, so I'm first generation American. The immigration story is personal to me. And I was able to use that moment to humanize the concept of crossing the border for a better life for your family. And then, you know, with uh, the song that I re recorded with Pharrell Williams, Love is the Answer, I was able to use that music video to speak about social justice and the carceral system in the U.S., which has obviously been the huge topic over the past year in 2020. But I was speaking specifically about the school to prison pipeline. And so... In many different ways, I get to use my voice for positive social change. And then above and beyond that, being able to, uh, you know, afford this magical life as an artist and have the kind of money that I can donate to the organizations and causes that I believe in. All of that is is part of fulfilling that promise. No, I love that. And I think to me, it seems like all those changes are working for want of a better word i really feel that, that that people are having much more of a waste and i do think that through people like you that have that ability as you say the public figure the voice and everything to do it it just it has to have such a positive impact and you must you and your wife who i know is heavily involved must see it must be another rewarding factor of what you do to see the progress yeah. that that's making it is it's rewarding i mean at the end of the day it's constant vigilance. A friend of mine is a freedom fighter in in, in um, Kenya and Nairobi. He's been, of course, abused by police, jailed many times. But he says 
There's no end. You have to keep going. It's constant vigilance. One or two wins today will be set back, uh, you know, tomorrow. So we have to just keep fighting for what's right. Yeah. And I feel like you're going to do that. So post lockdown, post, I, I sort of dread saying post COVID, because every time I say that, you sort of like then open the newspapers and like, now there's another, I mean, I don't mm -hmm. even know what we call it anymore. The new normal, normal, what was normal. When we come out of the other end of this tunnel, this current tunnel, what does life hold for you? What are the first things you're going to do? I feel like there's going to be a lot of traveling. I feel like there are so many places that I'd like to get to, to sing live and to share this new music, but also to share old music. Over the pandemic, one of my heroes, many of my heroes passed, unfortunately, but the late, great Bill Withers passed away. And I want to be able to go and continue to share his music. There's, there are a few artists who can, who can occupy the space of his voice, but I'm one who I, I feel really connected to him because I was able to build a friendship with him. I want to share that music. I want to go and sing Nat King Cole's music. I want to go and sing Donny Hathaway's music, not just my own. I want to keep their legacies alive. Um, and so... I, I believe there's an audience for it. And, you know, I want to honor their legacies with that. 100%. I'd be in that. I would be in that audience for all of them. I, I mean, their music, oh, it has to keep going. And I don't know why I felt like during the whole pandemic, it felt like we lost so many great people. I mean, I know we do every year, I guess maybe it was because we were more focused. We were at home. It seemed bigger. It just seemed such a significant year in all of that, that people past. I don't know why. I just felt like yeah. we lost a lot of the greats during the pandemic. I think because um, for the sake of their families and close ones, they didn't have the proper traditional grieve, um, grieving moments of, you know, a funeral and a procession. And I, I think that's part of it. That is a huge part of it. And I know you also, you know, another thing that I'm, you know, passionate about, and I guess, again, I I thought about more during lockdown, partly because I watched that incredible series, TV series on it, but the awareness to fight AIDS and HIV. And, it, and, and I'm not ashamed to say that it made me so much more aware of what a pandemic that was. I mean, although I was sort of alive and around and in that era when it first happened, when you hear the, the numbers, I interviewed David Furnish, and of course he and Elton do this incredible work for HIV and AIDS. But that in itself was this another enormous pandemic. We mustn't forget all the other causes along the way that still need this awareness. Absolutely. There are so many. And of course, one of the uh, most important ones that affects us all every day, all the time is ecological awareness. And we saw how lockdown had a dramatic impact on um, some of the cities around the world with the smog that was in the air cleared up, the waterways cleared fish. up. Yes. And so, you know, human impact is important and we we should be paying attention to that as well on a daily basis. But there are so many other causes that have kind of been neglected by the spotlight with this coronavirus taking up all the oxygen in the room, literally. That is for sure. So I have to ask you my two sort of key questions, which I ask everybody, which are the what gives you life and what feeds your soul? Mm. What gives me life. The thing that gives me life is creativity. It really turns me 
up and on. Like my energy, I can go for hours and hours and hours, probably days without sleeping and eating if I'm in flow state creative mode. And, you know, I would be in the studio working on a song. Is that how you work when you're working? Do you just literally just, you power through? It's, uh, yeah. And I wouldn't even say power through. It's like the, I'm being pulled. I can't, I can't even, I can't even say that I'm exerting any energy. I'm just being pulled. And I, I could be working on something and my, my wife will call asking when I'll be home and I'll be, and I'll say something like, I'll be home and I'll be leaving in five minutes. Just one more, just one more thing to do. An hour later, she'll call and say, what happened to five minutes? And I, and, and I literally will look at my watch and say, but it's only been five minutes. So it really is like a, a vortex of time. What feeds my soul is learning, learning. So listening to other music, studying it, um, watching plants grow. Uh, I've, been, I've been fanatical about saving all the seeds from all of the fruit that we have at home and trying to grow seedlings. I've become I've become a professional at apples. <laughs> so that's that's done. Next I'm moving on to citrus. I mean, are we going to see a future sort of aloe black apple puree in the supermarkets? Am I <laughs> no. going to be buying these things? I don't know. I don't know. One apple? <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I I feel like what what I'm what I'm doing is kind of experimenting with this magic of nature. And so just learning about what's possible with nature, I've been learning about how the mycorrhiza under the ground, the network of fungus and, and bacteria communicate in order to supply the trees and other vegetation with all of the nutrients they need. Like this is, it is a super amazing world that's happening and we're not even paying attention to it. And we don't even process it like, okay, I grew this seedling. I could try to transplant it. But what's in the soil where I transplant it? Is it ready for this new life? Will it sustain this new life? It's been quite a common theme when I've been interviewing people during lockdown. Everybody's done these sort of experiments with, you know, trying to grow something. I mean, mm -hmm. I tried to set up a gardening thing and then my husband laughed because I bought these seeds and he was like, you are completely out of season. I forgot there's a season for them. So he was no like, season. I bought everything in the wrong bit of the season. But I do think it's made everybody think more about things like the food chain or where we get stuff from or sustainability, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've been thinking about it for quite some time, but this, this uh, lockdown certainly gave me the opportunity to not just think, but act. Well, mm -hmm. I've loved chatting to you today. As I say, I'm a massive fan of your music. Um, I just, every song you do just has such meaning and your beautiful voice and I've loved chatting to you today and I can't thank you enough thank you all love everything all love everything exactly thank you so much for listening don't forget to subscribe and also if you've enjoyed this episode do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co